Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, Today I have Jeff Rose. He's the founder of Good Financial Sense. He's on YouTube. He's a wealth hacker. He's got a channel that's extremely popular. Uh, Jeff's also a certified financial planner and a former CEO of Alliance Wealth Management, LLC, an investment advisory firm. Uh, He's also an Iraqi combat veteran. He served in the Army National Guard for nine years and a 16-month deployment to Iraq in 2005. And again, we're talking about goodfinancialsense.com. That's his website and uh, his YouTube channel. So, Jeff, thanks for coming. Yeah, man. Well, tell me about your a little bit about your background. Like, what got you into uh, thoughts of you know finances and wealth and money? Yeah, really, just uh, really just by chance. I was a finance major, which the only reason I did that is because my dad uh, he uh, didn't have a lot of money. He uh, actually passed away owing more than he owned. But one of the best life lessons that he ever gave me, which I really don't even know how he, he managed to give me this advice, but I was debating whether I should major in finance or accounting. And he asked me the question, he's like, you know, have you ever met an accountant, you know, that had a, had a good personality that was fun to be around? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I have. He's like, yeah, Finance is like a lot more exciting. Accounting's boring. <laughs> like, okay, so I chose finance, and no, uh, no hate towards any of the accounting <laughs> people out there. I've, I love my accountant. He's given me a lot uh, over the years. But uh, that's what led me to majoring in finance, which then led to a internship at a local investment firm, which then led into a job offer when I graduated college. And uh, even though I had no idea what the financial service industry was all about, this was actually. I think a lot of any younger people listening to this right now that are you know dealing with the pandemic and covid and an upcoming graduation and the job market you know what I had to deal with back then was we had 911 uh we had you know a 3 year bear market and the job market was not existent so I had put all my eggs in one basket and that basket did not uh, prove to be fruitful I was trying to get a corporate job in the uh, St. Louis Missouri area and that quickly dried up. And then I was also offered a junior broker position at this investment firm I'd interned with. And even though I didn't think I was mature enough or old enough to do it, I'm like, I had nothing else going. So I went ahead and accepted that position. And the rest is history, as they say. And what got you into, um, so you became a financial planner at what point, at, at a certain point, and then it, I guess it grew from there, like you were advising clients, you know, privately, but what, why did YouTube come in? Why did it uh, turn into a public type of thing for you? Yeah. So I was doing the whole financial advisor thing. And for those who've ever seen, you know, the movie Boiler Room or, you know, Wall Street, I, I was cold calling. I was, you know, trying to, I didn't have any clients that were given to me. Everything I had to get was uh, just, just hustling in the grind. And, that was back in the day when cold calling was still a thing. This is before the whole do not call <laughs> went into place. This is before everybody had cell phones and not uh, had, or I'm sorry, had home phones and not cell phones. 
And uh, I was just working that, that grind. And uh, I was also doing seminars and I was doing anything I could, you know, just to put my name out there to network and rub elbows with people and just get my name out there. Well, I was with that firm for about five years. I ended up getting bought out by what ended up being Wells Fargo. And at that point in time, I did not feel like that was a good fit for whatever I wanted to do. So I ended up leaving and then co-founding my own independent investment firm. And at that point in time, that's when I realized or felt like now that I was independent, that I could market myself a lot differently than all like the big wirehouse firms, you know, like the, the, the big Wall Street firms, the Merrill Lynch's, Morgan Stanley's, et cetera. And uh, in that process of trying to figure out unique ways I could market myself, that's when I stumbled upon blogging. And uh, I'm like, oh, wait, I don't even know what a blog is. And this is going back some, some years. This is going back in the uh, 2008 timeframe. And when I read this article in a, uh, a trade magazine about how if you want to stand out, you need to have a blog. I, at that time, didn't know what a blog was. I was absolutely clueless. At this point in time, I also, I did not have any social media, was not on Facebook, didn't even have a MySpace account. But there was something about this article that really stood out to me. And that began uh, just a lot of research into understanding what blogging was. And when I finally realized what the potential was, and so to give you some more context, prior to this, like I was doing seminars, you know, I, I would send out like 500 to a thousand mailers trying to get 20 people to show up for a free lunch or dinner. Or I was teaching a investment class, like a local community park district. And I think I had like 15 people show up for the entire class. And I'm doing all this work, you know, and getting, I'm getting decent results, but the reach was, was minimal. And I'm thinking, wait a second. So I could publish a blog post or an article on my blog, and that could potentially reach hundreds, thousands, maybe millions. You know, at this point in time, I'm just happy to get hundreds uh, or several dozen. And uh, when that concept finally sunk in, I went all in on trying to understand blogging, to learn how to blog, to understand search engine optimization, and really made it a goal of mine that I wanted to be, and I don't know how I would have determined this, but what I told myself was, I want to have the number one rated uh, financial advisor blog out there. And uh, that was the, the goal. Once again, like, I don't know how I was, I don't know how I was going to be able to determine that that was the case, but that's what I was determined to do. Cause I really felt like I had a, I found like a niche because at the time there weren't a ton of financial planners that were blogging. So I thought, you know what? Like, I think I just found something. It's time to go all in and figure this thing out. So what are the other contemporaries in your, industry say? I mean, what, what what's different about your message, you would say? Um, I think probably just the, if there's anything different that I, I say is at the time when I first started off, like I was very, very open about all of the mistakes that I had made in my investing and, and money journey. And I remember like, I mean, there's still, this is a blog post and podcast, you know, I've shared before, but uh, I shared like a story how I lost $5,000 trying to invest into a penny stock. Uh, I've shared how uh, just with my parents struggled with that and how that also passed down to me where, you know, I was $30,000 in uh, student loan and credit card debt. And uh, just a lot of pieces of my journey where, you know, many financial planners, especially certified financial planners, 
you know, there's just a certain stigma where, oh, you're supposed to know it all. You know, you're supposed to have it all figured out and you're supposed to, you know, have not made any mistakes and did all the right things. Where I came from the, hey, I'm, yes, I'm a certified financial planner, but I've also made mistakes just like everybody else has. And I want to share my mistakes so that you can learn from those and also show that I'm real, that I'm not just some guy that knows it all and never going to mess up because that is just you know not reality. So that was like one of the things I felt like that really helped me uh, stand out amongst other financial uh, financial planners and also financial experts, you know, back then. Now you see a lot more people sharing, you know, more of their journey. But at that time, like I was one of the first ones I can remember that was really transparent about all the, all the screw ups along the way. Who does your audience tend to be? You know, what's like the demographic about them? Um, You know, it it has, it's evolved uh, here probably in the last uh, three years and what has happened. So I was, and I, I can say this with in past tense now, you know, I was a financial planner for 16 years that was my career. That was all I knew. And then starting this blog on the side is purely as a marketing tool, you know, for the practice. Well, then I stumbled on the fact that you can make money from a website. And uh, I learned how to monetize the blog. And then that began a fun, even more fun journey of learning the online business, you know, learning the online world, you know, to where as of, I guess it was two years ago, I ended up selling the financial planning practice and now focus on the blog and the podcast and YouTube full time. How do you differentiate yourself amongst other voices out there, other financial advisors? Like what, you know, you've been doing this for a while now. I'm sure you've got your groove and your essence and your unique message. So what, what does that become? Oh yeah. So, and then, uh, so how's the demographic has changed and how, you know, the messages change is, when I was still a practicing advisor with the blog, especially like I was writing a lot of content for uh, those baby boomers and early retirees, because those are the ones that, you know, typically had the most money. If you wanted to get new clients, you wanted people that had a lot of money. And most of those were, you know, that 50 on up crowd. So as I end up selling the practice and started the wealth hacker brand, which is ultimately the, the YouTube channel, the demographic for me has become, you know, I'm no, I, I don't really, I'm not trying to get new clients, so I don't need to appeal to that baby boomer audience. Who I'm trying to appeal to is I'm looking for uh, the Jeff Rose when he was 20 some years old. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. He just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, maybe some Gary Vaynerchuk or, you know, some other, you know, side hustle entrepreneurship book or a podcast. He's excited. He understands that there is a, a way that he can build wealth a whole lot faster than mom and dad could ever teach him. He just doesn't know where or how to get started. 
And like that, that is who I am speaking to because there are plenty of 20 year olds out there, even 30 year olds that want to build wealth, that want to accelerate their wealth building process. They just aren't really sure how to get started. So right now, I would say the majority of my demographic is that, you know, 20 to 30 year old male that, and that's who I'm trying to appeal to because that's, that's who I was. You know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad read that book like in a few days. I was pumped. I was excited. I was ready to conquer the world. I just didn't, didn't know where exactly to get started. Uh, and that began you know, a journey. You know, it took me about seven or eight years to start to figure it out. So now the hope is that you know, with the whole Wealth Hacker brand is if I could shave off you know, a few years in helping people figure that out faster you know, I want to show people that they can actually, you don't have to wait till you're 50 or 60 you know, to become a millionaire. You can do it in your 20s or your 30s. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember seeing Rich Dad. I was on lunch. You know, I was working at an engineering firm and I was in the bookstore and I saw the book and I started reading it and I was like blown away. I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know, and uh, but it still did take years and years to figure things out to any degree. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. That's really cool. Interesting. So what would... um. What are some of the unique challenges that the the demographics, you know, the the young guys, the twenties and thirties, have that you address? I think uh, the, by far the the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle that many people face is the the lack of immediate gratification. You know, when it comes to building wealth or getting rich, and you know, especially nowadays, because you see, I mean, at the time of this recording, you know, just a few weeks ago, I guess it was last week, you know, this whole GameStop, you know, debacle where people were, you know, buying the stock for, you know, $20 and it shoots up to $400 and people are buying options and just, you know, becoming multimillionaires overnight. And it's those, which is great. Like, that's awesome. Uh, obviously, until the stock <laughs> took a major dump. And, yeah. you know, people still made some money, but there, a lot of people didn't make as much as they thought they were going to. Unfortunately, like it's those types of headlines that give people this false reality of like, oh, like that's that's how you do it. You know, I just got to find the next GameStop or I got to find the next penny stock or mm-hmm. I got to find the next, you know, uh, online business. Crypto that, token. Cryptocurrency. Yeah, exactly. That was the, the other thing I was going to lead to. So for me, yes, like here's a here's the thing, though, is that especially I mean, we can use this whole GameStop thing as, a, as an example. You know, the, the guys that had made money, even though I think many of them didn't cash out when they should have, but either way, the ones that were making money, these were the guys that were doing tons of research, you know, had been following the stock, you know, for a considerable amount of time. And like one of the biggest shareholders, like I think he owned a business that would end up being bought out, you know, by GameStop or am I thinking PetSmart? I forget. It was Chewy.com, I believe, or something like that. But nonetheless, like they, they didn't just like open their phone one day and turn on Google news. And it's like, Oh, I need to buy GameStop. I'm going to do that and make a lot of money. You know, there was a lot of time and effort that went into understanding, you know, what that was all about. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And, you know, so for the, for many that need that immediate gratification, like that's just not how it works. And for many, what I say is like, they have to go through this stage called the BMW stage. And I'm not talking that you got to drive a brand new BMW to get rich. No, what I'm talking about is you have to go through the stage where you are willing, this is especially for the entrepreneurs, that you are willing to work for below minimum wage if you truly want to build wealth or get rich. 
because I even looked back at my own journey and I, I, I shared this with my boys because, you know, we, we live in a very, very nice house and, you know, we have a lot of nice things. And I was sharing with my boys how I had worked on my blog for nine months straight, I was publishing four to five articles a week, you know, not on, t- and on top of doing research for SEO and guest posting and all these other things, social media. And then I've, I got my first Google AdSense paycheck, you know, for nine months of work. And I asked my boys, like, how much do you think that your dad got paid for working for almost three quarters <laughs> of a year? And I, I forgot the guesses, but it was like a thousand, ten thousand, thirty thousand, you know, like, were their guesses? I was like, eh, no, your dad got paid $152.91. Like that was my very first check. And if I calculated what my hourly rate was, I was making about 16 cents an hour for Mm -hmm. my online business. And many people can't do that. You know, they, they can't fathom like, no, I'm like, this ain't working. Like, this is too hard. I need to go find something else. Or, I mean, sometimes it's just their environments and they're just not able, you know, to spend that amount of time. I mean, there's obviously there's like a lot of different factors. You know, for me, it was, I was growing my business, my full-time business more than full-time. And I was trying to figure out this online thing on top of it. And I could have said, no, I got, I had a new kid. We had another kid, you know, grow my business. I could have made every excuse in the book, but it was something that I just felt like there was something there. I didn't really know for sure. It was the online world. I'm like, how, how can this go wrong? I mean, I guess it could have, but nonetheless, you know, I was willing to work through that. And I, I talked to so many successful entrepreneurs now, you know, that are multimillionaires and I'm trying to think, I wish I could think of an example where this wasn't the case, but most of them, majority of them had to go through this BMW stage where they were willing to work for well below minimum wage to figure it out. Yeah, that's okay. You know, I've, I've experienced similar stuff. The demographic that you work with, I would think that they don't really care much about mutual funds and, you know, older type uh, investments. And they're more into, again, cryptocurrencies. And I mean, what else? Like what's different about them than older folks? Oh, yeah. I mean, mutual funds are like the devil now. Uh, it's so funny because like, yeah, it was, you know, when I was in the financial service industry, it was the mutual funds and annuities. I mean, those are probably the two main things. And even for the most part, individual stocks. But like that was more, you know, the blue chips, you know, investing into those household names. Whereas now you can open up a, a Robinhood account. I'm not sure that's the account I would choose at this point in time, but nonetheless, I mean, you can open up a, we'll just say an online brokerage account, you know, through an app. And you can buy or trade stocks. You can buy or sell options. You can buy cryptocurrency, you know, all in one app and get started literally like in a few, a few minutes, you know, to get started. I mean, that's just mind boggling to me just because when I first started in the industry, I mean, it was, uh, you had to kill like three or four trees, you know, of other amount of paperwork just to get people to open up a regular investment account. It is, it evolves so much. I've seen more people like trading options more than I, I mean, I, options was just not a thing that I really even mess with. And on my clients, it was mostly above their heads, but now you see people trading them, not a lot of people, but more than I, I've ever seen before. And that's also because information is just out there. You know, for those that don't know how to trade options, well, you can watch a YouTube video now and learn the basics in probably before lunch, you know, and trade yeah. your first option. I mean, it's just amazing what technology has done for a lot of people. Well, you used to have to have a, an elevated level of risk accounts and you'd have to apply in order to do options and you could only sell covered calls. And I mean, maybe that's all still in place, but uh, yeah, it was restrictive and it took a lot of time. 
And I think on, on top of that, not just on the investing side, but even like on the online business side, you know, with uh, Shopify stores or, you know, T-shirts on demand, Amazon FBA, uh, reselling on uh, eBay, or, you know, I'm actually thinking of sneakers flipping. Just there are so many online courses, you know, we got platforms like Teachable, Udemy, Skillshare. I mean, there's all these different platforms nowadays where you can literally have a business set up in before, like I said, before lunch. I mean, it's just insane how quickly, obviously you build a, have a product and a, be able to market that. But nonetheless, I mean, you can have a storefront ready to go uh, within minutes. And that's just how awesome technology can be. But I would think that um, there's got to be trade-offs. You know, in life, there always seems to be, you know, there's all this information everywhere. There's all these new products. You can invest in all kinds of different ways. Like, what do you see as the uh, the downside of anything to, you know, today's environment? I'd say probably the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle. I mean, this is something I even uh, can suffer from, but like, you know, there are so many different options and there are so many different shiny objects. And at some point in time, you just kind of figure out like, what is your what is your bread and butter? You know, what is your, your niche that you just belong in? And I was talking to a good friend of mine who was a professional speaker for a number of years. And he routinely had probably 150 to 200 speaking gigs a year. And that's, that's how he supported his family. And then uh, he turned that into an online business where he was teaching others how to speak and which he had to do a pivot here recently with the whole pandemic. And now he's teaching those how to get paid to do virtual speaking. And uh, we were just having this conversation about uh, like real estate and Amazon FBA. And we both like, we both feel very confident that if we wanted to dominate real estate, if we wanted to dominate Amazon FBA, like we could not that we're like the brightest you know, we're not, I mean, we're, we're smart, but we're not like <laughs> high IQs or anything, but right. we also know like the way that we built our business wasn't just relying on every, our smarts, you know, yes, love our, our hustle and all that, but we also were not hesitant to reach out to other people and rely on other people's expertise to help us accelerate, you know, our learning curve. And, you know, with Amazon FBA, like if that's something that we really wanted to do, we felt confident we could do it because we know enough people that we can start making some calls, setting up some Zoom calls and, and just starting to learn the process. But at the end of the day, it was like, but what's going to give us the most joy? Like, what, what are, where are we going to enjoy uh, spending most of our time? You know, with him, even though he doesn't like the travel part of speaking, he still loves, you know, helping others, you know, with speaking and getting on stage and doing their thing. And with me, like money is just in my DNA. Like I just enjoy talking about money, whether it's writing a blog post, a podcast, a YouTube video, a book or whatever, you know, that's just, that's just how I'm wired. That's what I enjoy doing. Uh, so I've just learned to stay in my lane and, you know, there's always going to be shiny objects. There's always going to be amazing opportunities come along, but find what works for you. And that may take some dabbling. It might take some things going out there and figuring out like, oh, that's, that's not a lot of fun. Like this isn't what I enjoy doing. For those that have never taken like a personality test, I would encourage like Strength Finders 2.0, just as a way to understand, the more that you can learn how you are, how you are wired, you know, what is your DNA, uh, just the more educated you are in pursuing different uh, opportunities that you may think is a great fit, but turns out it might not be at all. What's, um, I mean, the, the people that you work with, uh, are they solo? Do they, you know, are they at the age where they have kids or mostly again, it's just 
young guys that are just on their own and, you know, they're in the early stages. They've got tons of energy and time and they want to just, you know, they want to make their mark. They want to make a lot of money. Um, I see, I got a little bit of both. Um, as far as, you know, I've got some people going through, uh, some of the courses that I offer and I've got the, uh, the single guys that are, you know, just figuring out and I've got the, uh, you guys with a, a younger family for the most part, you know, maybe one or two kids that are also at a, a decent point in their career, but also just looking to take it to the the next level. And, uh, I think cause I've shared on just my YouTube channel and also podcasts and some blog posts where I was doing okay. I was almost, you know, making a quarter million dollars a year, you know, living in a small town, Illinois, you know, which was like <laughs> 20 times more than the average salary there. I financially, like we, we were doing awesome, but as far as like, I don't want to just say my emotional health, but just my, my entrepreneurial health, I just felt like I was stuck. You know, I felt like I was going through the motions, didn't feel like I was really fulfilled at what I was doing. And, you know, it didn't take a, at that point in time, I had grown the business where it's pretty much an autopilot and I didn't have to do a lot of work to, to keep it where it was. And like, that's just not very exciting. I mean, that might be hard for some to relate to, but you know, you spend all this time growing it and I'm the type, like I want to continue to be challenged. You know, I've always felt like if you're not growing, you're dying. And that might be a bit extreme, but if you aren't challenging yourself, if you're just going through the motions, I mean, that's just not how, that's not how we're supposed to live life. So um, I ended up joining a coaching program to help me, you know, kind of figure all that part out. And that was one of the best investments I've ever made. And uh, from there, the business ended up growing, you know, for going from 250 to growing almost to, I think it was like 750,000, you know, in three years. So I tripled my, my revenue in three years. And the best part was I was working, less than I'd ever had. You know, I was taking more time off than I'd ever had. And that just began an amazing journey. So I have a lot of uh, people that know that part of my story. And I've shared a lot of that about my story where, you know, showing somebody like, man, you're making six figures a year and you feel good, you feel successful, but there's still something else that's missing, but you really can't quite place it. And that's kind of where I was, you know, like I Every everything on paper said I should be feeling awesome right now. Like I should be doing jumping jacks every single day. And there were some days where I was excited, but other days I just felt like I was missing something. And uh, when I finally figured out what that something was, uh, it was monumental. I mean, it was just almost like an extreme makeover show. <laughs> uh, and it's just been a fun, even more fun journey ever since. Yeah. What what kind of comments do you get from listeners and viewers? Like, what are some of the challenges they have that you know, surprise you or, you know, what are common ones that you have to give advice on a lot? I'm still amazed that anytime I do any sort of investing video, especially on YouTube, uh, so many people that are commenting that they still haven't made their first investment. Like that one is still, still mind boggling to me, you know, just because of how easy it is. And, you know, a lot hasn't changed in the sense that many people still feel that to start investing that you have to have thousands of dollars, you know, just to get going. Uh, so I'm still amazed that that, that is still a, a, a misconception, you know, to, to get started investing. Other than that, I think a lot of people that have some desire of doing an online business don't really know where to start or how to start or, or, or what to even do. And, you know, that's something it's, it's harder to answer because, you know, the way I approached it was different. You know, I didn't, I kind of stumbled upon it 
And I've always started with the mentality of like, of serving others, of wanting to help others, you know, letting your experience and your expertise, you know, show others and how to get them uh, to win to like to the next step. Uh, and that's just something that I've always, it's always just been a mission of mine with the blog or the podcast or the YouTube channel, you know, just wanting to really just serve others. And there's some times where I could have made more money at the time, but it was one of those where, okay, I, I can maybe get paid now, but I just feel like in the long term, I'm going to build a lot more goodwill and a stronger community by, you know, not selling this or not having people pay for this, like just giving it away. Uh, and that's just something that I've just really enjoyed. And I feel like I've been re- rewarded for that over the years. So what's, um, I mean, what's next year? You're, you're not someone that's just going to sit there and coast, I would think, you know, as you said. So what are, what are your plans for the next year or so? What uh, things do you want to come out with? What I'm working on right now is uh, it's a new course that I just uh, a beta launched later part of last year. And right now I've got about 25 or 30 going, going through it. And it's a, um, it's a goals course, an accelerated goals course. And uh, what I, I got really excited about this one is because, as I mentioned, I joined this coaching program that really changed my life. And with that coaching program, like that was at the time, it was like 9,000. I think right now it's like 10 grand a year to be a part of this coaching program. And it was catered for entrepreneurs that were making, you know, 250,000 or 500,000 a year. So obviously when I was 27 years old, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad for the first time, you know, I didn't meet the qualifications one to qualify for this coaching program Two, didn't have a big enough credit card limit to even pay for this coaching program. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I've seen other online programs that are similar to what I went through and actually purchased one. And that one was $3,500. And it also was catered to, you know, online or not online, just business owners, you know, that were making over a certain price, a certain revenue figure. And once again, like targeting that 20 to 30 year old that either is still trying to figure it out or has started to figure it out and just looking for that next thing. You know, I wanted to offer something that could be available uh, for those that, you know, didn't have that, the financial means, you know, to pay 10 grand or $3,500. And so that's like what this, uh, this goals course is all about is showing what I learned and how it changed my life. And I want to be able to offer that to those uh, as well that have that interest and, and desire and passion, you know, that I have. So that's, uh, that's the first thing on the list. And uh, from there, it's, it's slowly evolving into, and I kind of figured it would into something bigger than just a course, but looking to be some sort of either online coaching, mastermind type program. I'm not really sure exactly, but uh, it's evolving to something where I get to help people conquer goals, uh, achieve goals that they never thought was possible and ultimately helping them achieve what I call your unrecognizable future. You know, it's a future that you don't even know exists today because you've never even like, you've never gone through a process to understand like how big and crazy your goals could be. And I just think about like the goals I had 10 years ago, you know, none of my goals, (laughs) my goals 10, 10 years ago were not I want to no longer be a financial advisor, have an online business making seven plus figures a year, you know, working 15 hours a week. Like I couldn't even have that goal. Like, you know, I didn't have the the context or the experience to even have a goal like that. You know, my goal of 10 years ago was like, I want to grow my business revenue by 15%, you know, next year. Like that's where my goals were then. But, you know, now it's like, oh, okay. 
So now like my goals are, you know, the goals have just evolved so much, but it's just a matter of figuring out what those initial goals are, taking steps, and then revisiting those goals on a frequent basis. So what are, what are some of your favorite stories from followers of you that, you know, have implemented and found success or they just did something really unusual or really cool? You know, I probably just recently, because I just connected, um, reconnected with a, an advisor of mine, not of mine, but he was an, a younger advisor. He had purchased a course of mine that was showing other advisors how to use online marketing to grow their financial plan practice. And uh, that's essentially is what he's done. But uh, man, he uh, he took it to the next level. He uh, recently just launched a online platform for other advisors uh, that have a similar interest in you know growing their business and all just practice management and everything else, but it's completely online is, uh, is what he's, what they did. And it was something they came up with the idea, did a soft launch. And I think before they even like went live, they had like 50 people willing to join. And right now I think they have over 500 advisors that joined this online community, all paying 1500 bucks, 1500, yeah, $1,500 a year to be a part of it. So in the first year, he came up with this business that is generating over $750,000 a year. And mm-hmm. but for him though, it all started because he started his blog when he bought the course that then led to a podcast that then led to him having guests come on his show, you know, making connections, learning other other businesses how they operate, and then that led to this brainchild of his. And so this is over and above, you know, a thriving financial planning practice that is on autopilot. Uh, so yeah, just, yeah, just like one of those, I was telling him like, oh, you're like, it's like, it's my little, my little son, he's all grown up, you know, it's like, cause like, I just remember when he first started with the course, like five, was it five or six years ago, let's say five years ago. And I mean, he was doing good, but man, like he went from doing good to like seriously crushing it. That's really cool. That's very, very cool. Do you interact with any of the other like online financial pundits or, uh, you know, does everyone kind of keep to themselves or what's the industry like? In the financial space. So there is a, uh, a pretty active community and it's, uh, there's actually a conference called FinCon, which is the, uh, the financial blogger conference. And it is, uh, has been a very tight knit community for a number of years. And I've been in that uh, for about 12 years. And there's actually like a private uh, Facebook group that I'm in with some other bloggers, which most of us, there's only a handful of us that still own our sites. Everybody else has sold for uh, millions of dollars, you know, to uh, some other big outfit. But uh, in another more open Facebook group, I mean, we're all, it's very interesting. Like we're all very willing to help each other and share like, hey, this is what's working for me. What about this? Or, you know, if you see a strategy that somebody's implementing, you know, they are very, usually very open to share, you know, what they're doing. Obviously, like, as long as you are doing it the right way, you know, you're not trying to, you know, steal anything or uh, go behind their back, but everybody's been really helpful in that regards. And kind of like one of my cool mentor success stories was, uh, you know, David Bach, uh, I think 10 time New York Times bestselling author, you know, he's been a, a mentor of mine from afar for a number of years. And he actually was speaking at FinCon a few years ago. And uh, I got a chance to interview him for the, the channel and got to meet him. And like, and he's become like, you know, a friend of mine where like he's in Italy right now and we'll text here and there and, you know, just like staying up on family stuff. And I'm just like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, like this is, he is 
I've always looked at him as like the one of the mecca, you know, of personal personal finance experts. You know, he was on Oprah, you know, when Oprah was like mm-hmm. the thing. And, yeah. you know, this guy and I've just learned that with any of the these guys or gals, I mean for anybody listening, is when you start treating these people as a person, you know, as a, an equal and you know, not as like a like you're a fan of theirs. <laughs> you're like, Ooh, okay. yay. You know, but just treat them as like a real person, uh, man. Like they just, it's, they, they can just relate to that so much more, you know? So like, stop, stop being a fan, you know, start being an equal and it's just amazed on what, how they'll treat you, you know, respect wise. It's just whole, a whole different level. Yeah. That's great. Do you, do you see in the financial world, any big uh, upheavals coming? I mean, do you see, for instance, like crypto really taking off or, uh, you know, is there any big changes that you sense are coming in the next couple of years? It's been one of the craziest times where, you know, we've seen unemployment hit record numbers and in the same time frame, you know, the Dow Jones is hitting an all time high. Uh, And then we have, you know, Bitcoin hitting all time highs and the whole GameStop debacle and everything else going on. I mean, we are in so un. You got stimulus checks going out like every other week. It's just we are in such crazy times. Like I don't even. I can't even wrap my head around it. I truly can't. And like I'm, I'm done trying to predict. You know, I never thought the Dow would hit where it's at right now. Like when it started to take a dive at the beginning of the pandemic, I think we got down to about eighteen thousand on the Dow. I'm like, okay, finally. Like this is what I felt like it needed to do for you know a few years. You know, like just kind of some cleansing. And then yep. that lasted for like a day <laughs> and then uh, it just took off ever since it hasn't looked back. And, you know, here we are at the time of this recording Dow's at 31,000 Bitcoin's like at 45, I think it was at 46 earlier today. Just, okay, whatever. I don't know. No idea. I do feel like we are going to see, I don't know what exactly. I feel like we're going to see something with crypto where it's, it's, you know, I feel like it's becoming more mainstream yet, but you know, it's not really being, um, I guess, widely used. I don't know if this whole Elon yeah. Musk thing saying that you can buy, you know, Tesla's with Bitcoin and how uh, it'd be fun to listen to this, you know, in a year from now and see how that, how this plays out. But um, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like that's going to be something, whether it's Bitcoin or some variation of that. Uh, I'm seeing too many companies like PayPal, for example, you know, change their, uh, just change like the, their systems and on how they not only can use pay or, or use Bitcoin or cryptocurrency like as a payment, but also to be able to buy and sell it. You know, like there's so many companies now that are investing millions of dollars into the infrastructure to be able to uh, handle cryptocurrency. So there, there is going to be something there. Now I have no idea how that's going to look, smell or taste, but it's going to be, it's, it's definitely fun to be a part of it. What's the best way for people to, um, to find you? Where should, where should they go? Yeah, you can check me out on uh, YouTube, Wealth Hackers channel, or you can search for Jeff Rose. Uh, my Twitter, Instagram handle is at jjeffrose, two Js, at jjeffrose, or the blog, which you mentioned, goodfinancialsense.com. Okay, well, very good. Well, Jeff, it was great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, you're very down to earth, very real. So, you know, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.